0: Well, my name is Eric, I'm the campus pastor here at Gateway in South Austin, and welcome, we're glad that you're here. We're going to do something a little bit special, and some of you who were here last week will say, well, this isn't that special, we did it last week too. But we're going to start our message streaming from North Austin. Our new senior pastor, Carlos, is kicking off the message, then I'll come up and kind of finish it. And um, then we're not streaming again until July, I think. So, but I wanted you to continue to get to know him just a little bit. If you haven't had a chance to watch him up at Gateway uh, Austin, uh, North Austin, or Gateway Online, just another little glimpse of his heart for our city. And so after we hear from Carlos, I'll come up and, and continue the message. So when he's done, that doesn't mean we're done. Uh, just No, we're just kind of getting started. But we're so glad that you're here today. And my hope is that you will hear what God has for you in our time together. So let's listen as Carlos shares. Well, welcome
1: to Gateway. We're so glad you were with us this morning. My name is Carlos, I'm our senior pastor. So good to be with you. I'd uh, like to welcome all of our campuses who are joining us from Buta, uh, Pflugerville, Central Campus, South Campus, here at North Campus. Will you give it up for all of our campuses who are joining us, especially all of you who are watching online? In Texas, around the nation, around the world, we're so glad that you are with us. So I want to jump right in and I'm going to ask you a question. If you've heard me speak before, I ask a lot of questions because I, I say this, a good question sticks with you. Uh, and here's, here's not a good question. You pick your kids up from school or you see your roommate for the first time at the end of a day. You say, how was your day? That's not a good question. Right? Because it was okay, it was fine, yeah, everything's good No, a good question kind of sticks to your bones When somebody asks you a question and you can't get it out of your head Like later that day or later that night, that was a really good question So I want to ask you a question that might just stick with you Have you ever been in a situation that you just did not want to be in? And right now, you're all thinking of like, yeah, it's my life right now, all right? Like, I don't know if you know my life right now. I don't want to be in the situations I'm in. Have you ever been in a place that you did not want to be in? Have you ever been in a relationship, in a work situation, a school, a university, some sort of situation where you just wish you were not in that place at that time, in that moment. That you could just pass the buck to somebody else to take that job, or to take that role, or to, to take that, that, that seat. You do not want to be in it, and I understand completely. Libby and I, my wife, were married about a few months, about three months, and somebody had asked us to join their staff We were young staffers uh, in our early, early 20s, and uh, we had just gotten married, and we found out we're pregnant, and I'm living in Dallas, Texas. It's my hometown, and I I love being in Dallas. And when I married Libby, she was moving from Iowa, and I told her, listen, if we're going to be together, we're going to live in Dallas, Texas, right? And uh, so she she said, okay, well, I I don't really care about living in Iowa anymore. And uh, if you've ever been there, you know why. Just kidding. Just kidding for all you Midwesterners. She moved to Texas. And uh, we're, we're having a good time, and somebody asked us if we would join their staff. And uh, listen, if you're from Texas, you're going to really understand this. The state they wanted us to move to was like, God forbid that we move to this state. It was Arkansas. And I was like, I don't even know if they speak English in Arkansas. I think it's a dialect of English. I'm not really sure. But as a kid who grew up, growing up in Texas and my formative years were in Michigan, like, I'm a Michigan Wolverine person, so, you know, obviously living in Texas, I understood that. But I also grew up in South Texas, so down the road we cheered for the Texas Longhorns. And so if you're cheering for the Texas Longhorns, there's no way you're going to move to the pig suey state. Woo! Pig suey! Are you kidding me? Who picks a pig as their mascot? I don't know, but these people do. And so I said, no, I don't even want to visit. I don't even want to go on I-30 on that part. I, I don't, that doesn't exist. And my wife's like, you got to consider it. We considered it. And I considered it a no. She goes, no, you have to go visit. I'm not going to visit. Especially Malvern, Arkansas. It's on the freeway. It's the sister city to, to Hot Springs, Arkansas. Nobody lives there. Here's how bad it is. Walmart closes at 7 p.m. It's bad. But of course we visited, and God said, This is where you're moving. I'm like, man, I shouldn't have fought you so hard. And we moved to Malvern, Arkansas, and, and I gotta tell you, I just was I was actually kind of fearful. I went to the DMV to get my new Texas, my new Arkansas license plate, and it was, like, it was like a death. I was giving over my Texas license. I said, well, can I have this back? No, and they cut it up right in front of me. I was so mad. But here's why I was afraid. When I went to go get my license, they said, are you black or are you white? I said, are those the only two options? <laughs> And they said, and this is exactly what the lady told me. She had her glasses, she put them down. She said, sir, in this state, you're either black or white. And I didn't know what to say. She goes, well, let me help you out, son. Nobody really calls me son, except my dad and my mom when I'm in trouble. Except in Arkansas. Let me help you out, son. I'm looking at you right now, and you definitely don't look black, so you're one of us. So for 18 months, I was white on my license plate. And it felt all wrong. And yet, if I wasn't careful, I had to I would forget that that is exactly where God wanted me. That's where God called my wife and I, and these people, I mean, when I showed up, this is what I expected to see. It's going to show up on your screens real quick. This is what I expected to see. I think it's going to show up. should be a picture? This is what I expected. And guess what? They did not disappoint. That's exactly what I saw. <laughs> you thought I was going to say something else, didn't you? No, it's exactly what I saw. But it's not what I experienced. What I experienced was a loving group of people who may have been from the backwoods, but they embraced my family. And they were there. My wife had our first child, Carlos. And they gave us the honor, I guess, of renaming him without our permission. That's why at 22 years old, his name is still Bubba. They christened him Bubba. One of about 2,000 Bubbas I met in my time there. But they embraced us. And i got to be honest, I didn't necessarily embrace it at the beginning. You can tell from my tone. But once I knew and some of my my thoughts about these people, they're gonna really, you know, didn't see any other people who were who looked like me. I didn't see any people who were speaking Spanish. So I had all these preconceived notions, and once that broke down, I then began to respond by embracing the culture, embracing the people, embracing the city that God had called me to, Malvern. Arkansas, And my wife says I embraced it too much because a year and a half later I'd gained 30 pounds from all the fried chicken, fried catfish pies, church potlucks, and extra deer meat in my freezer. Why is this important? It's important because as a young pastor I had to realize these people were pastoring and loving me before I could ever pastor and love them. It was a city and the place that God had called me to because the church is meant to be a bridge from our city to our God. Our church is meant to be the bridge, not the landing spot. You don't commit your life and heart to a church. You commit your heart and life to the one who created you and sent His Son to die for you. And we are merely a bridge from our city and the people of the city to our God. So how do we see those around us? I had already asked the question, have you ever been in a situation or a city or a place or a school you did not want to be in? And I wonder, and have you ever wondered, why would God put me in this place and season at this time? And maybe it was so you could make a difference in people. Or maybe for people to make a difference in you. So I want to kind of walk us through what happens when we begin to reject the city or the situation or the people that we're around. And when you can see the slippery slope if we're not careful. So, So here's the first thing. When we ignore the people of our city, we rob ourselves of God's heart for them. Sometimes we're just enduring. We're pushing through the situation. When we ignore the people of our city, we rob ourselves of God's heart for them. When we reject the people of our city, We forget God's acceptance of them. And you can easily go from one to the other. The third one is this, when we despise the people of our city, all those those people from that country, those people from that state, why don't they get their license plate changed? They're already living in the great state of Texas, especially those people with those yellow plates from New Mexico. Those are ugly. Ugly. Oh, just me? I'm the only one who thought that? Okay, so. (laughs) When we despise the people of our city, we block out God's desire for them. See this slippery slope? And the last one is this, when we hate the people of our city, we actually become enemies of God. I know that's a strong statement, but it actually is in Romans chapter 8, when we become enemies of God because we cannot please him when we no longer reflect His values. When we hate people, we cannot please him and we are now ruined by our own human nature and can no longer take, a, excuse me, take on the, the reflection and the spirit of God. And so when you, especially if you are a Christ follower, can no longer reflect the heart and love of God, you actually grow into becoming an enemy of God. And it starts off by just this indifference of ignoring, then rejecting, despising, and then hating. And this can happen to every single person. Acts chapter seventeen. We're going to read through a story of Paul, and this story is we're going to read it in its in entirety because it's a great story of somebody just being in a place that he necessarily doesn't want to be at. Paul had several times. Paul was 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 a missionary. He was a he was a propagator of the gospel, and there were many times he found himself in himself in situations or cities that were not originally on his plan. Many of you are planners your high J's, your organizers, and the moment one little thing is off, your whole plan is just shot. Right? And some of you are married to people like that. You just ruined our vacation. I'm sorry, babe, we were late for breakfast by 10 minutes. It did not ruin our vacation. No, you ruined it. I'm triggering some of you right now on purpose. Right, but Paul had a plan and it really wasn't coming together. And he finds himself in the city of Athens and he really didn't have a place to be in Athens. He was waiting for his friends to arrive. So it was just more of a meeting spot and something happens in his heart while he's in a city that he has no intentions of being in. A few weeks ago I met a blogger who was who was in town in Austin. And her, 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 her company had, I think, moved her here for a few months just to do some work in the city of Austin. Uh, I think it was during South by Southwest, pre and post. And, and so she's in town and she's, she's an atheist. She has no intentions of growing spiritually while she's here. But her first Sunday here, she had this thought, I should go to a church in Austin. I'm in Texas. She comes to Gateway. And she came every Sunday for the three months she was here. And her last Sunday, she stopped me in the lobby here at the North Campus, and she's crying, and she said, I did not expect to come to a city and for God to change my heart. Right? Listen, she didn't move here. She was here for three months. She was in a city doing work, and I wonder if we miss out on opportunities because our eyes and ears open the way we're going to see what happens to Paul here we are, Acts chapter 17, verse 16. While Paul was waiting for them, his friends in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. His, so he, he's starting to see for the first time. So he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day with those who happened to be there. Verse 18. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with him. Some of them asked, what is this babbler trying to say? And others remarked, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They are in Greece now. They're not in Jerusalem. They're not in Israel. And they said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus and the resurrection. We're going to continue the story. A few verses down, verse 22. Paul then stood up in the meeting of the Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious. For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I even found an altar with this inscription, To an unknown God. So you are ignorant of the very thing you worship. And this is what I am going to proclaim to you. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, and does not live in temples but built by human hands. And he is not served by human hands. As if he needed anything... Rather, he himself gives everyone life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all the nations, that they should inhabit the whole earth, and he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that they would seek him and perhaps reach out for him and find him, though he is not far from any of us. For in him we live and move and have our being. And some of your own poets have said, We are his offspring Therefore, since we are God's offspring We should not think that the divine being like gold or silver or stone An image made by human beings and skill Verse 30 In the past God overlooked such ignorance But now he commands all people everywhere to repent And again that word repent If you grew up hearing that word Repent sometimes was used to come against you Repent is actually a beautiful invitation to turn It's an invitation more than it is always an accusation, but we have to come to the realization of where we are. So to turn, for he has set a day when he will judge the world with justice by the man he has appointed, this being Jesus. And he's given proof of this to everyone by raising him from the dead. Here's a few things we can learn from this story really quick. Four things about Paul being in a place he didn't expect to be, in a city he had no plans to be in, and yet God begins to open his eyes for what could be. First thing is this. Paul is open to see what God sees. He's minding his business, he's doing his own thing, and yet he's open. And sometimes when we find ourselves in situations, or in cities, or in business or in a classroom, or in a university that we don't want to be in, sometimes our heart begins to close to self-protect. It's a defense mechanism. And, but what would happen if we actually opened our heart to God, opened our eyes to see what God sees, Open our ears to hear what God might be saying, because sometimes we're in these situations, and God is trying to do something in us, at the very least, something in Through us, so Paul is open to see. The second thing is, he brings the good news where he has influence. He's in the synagogue, in the marketplace. Where do you have influence? Where do you go regularly? Where do you get your haircut? Where do you go to your favorite restaurant? Do do you know that waiter or that server by name? Do you know their story a little bit? Do you you get to know people as you're just living your life and and out and about? As as your pastor, you got to know all the time, here's what happens. I'm in this city. I'm somewhere. I tell people I'm a pastor. Oh, where? Gateway Church. And almost every time, and I just don't understand it, other than it's the legacy that John and Kathy left for us and the way our people, you, have embraced our culture, almost every time somebody will say, oh, I have a friend who goes to Gateway. And they will almost always tell me of a time how one of you helped them or served them or fed them or loved them because we embrace where we have influence. Number three, he builds a bridge of common good. How do we know this? He contextualizes the message that came from Jerusalem, the message of Jesus, and he changes it because he loves the people of Athens now that he has seen them. Now that he's open to them because he didn't plan to be there, but now that he's there and he sees and his heart is grieved, he contextualizes the message. He never even says the name Jesus because they wouldn't understand. But they would understand the power behind the name. He doesn't say back in Jerusalem. They don't care about Jerusalem. He loves them where they are and builds a bridge of common good wherever they might be. And number four, he gives the hope and life of Jesus. He talks about his life, his death, and he he focuses on the resurrection and the hope it brings that we too will be resurrected like Christ. And then here's what happens. He begins to live out exactly what we're talking about. He begins to live it out, but there are three types of responses. I want to cover these really quick. When you begin to live like Jesus, and you begin to understand that, and that can be for those of you who are exploring faith, once you come to know Jesus, not everybody is going to enjoy who you are, or the fact that you are a follower of Jesus. And So here's the three responses we see, even with his heart that's open. He faces rejection. The passage right after this says people sneered at him and rejected him. He faces inquiry. People who then say, you know, I think I want to hear more about this. And then number three, he faces people who believe the message. Some of them begin to follow. We're going to do something a little bit different today, and I'm really excited about it. We're going to tag team speak at all of our campuses. Your campus pastor is about to come on stage and finish, finish out this message. But before they come on and they finish that message at your campus, I want to remind you of this. It's not our responsible our responsibility to control the outcome of living like Jesus and loving people. It's not our responsibility to force people to come to church or love God. It is just our responsibility to build a bridge from our city
0: to our God. Take it away, guys.
1: And here at North
0: and online... So I don't know about you, but have you been in a place, as he described, that you didn't necessarily want to be in? And I, I love this thought because as someone who's had a chance to move around, I kind of learned this early on as well. I I was part of a team from Dallas that moved to Seattle to help plant a church, and I remember this was in 1994, so Nirvana was uh, just at its peak. Tragically, Kurt Cobain had uh, killed himself just before we got there, and it is as dark and rainy as you've heard it is during the winter's. But while I was there, it really bothered me as these other pastors would get up and speak, and they would tell stories about the Dallas Cowboys. And they would use Tom Landry as an example. And I'd look around, and all these Seattle Seahawks fans were thinking, what are they talking about? And it was a small little thing, but I decided everywhere I live, I'm going to actually choose to root for the home team. I'll still root for the Cowboys but I'm going to start rooting for the Seahawks. And it was hard rooting for the Seahawks in the mid-'90s, but I did. In fact, what ended up happening is the Seahawks almost moved out of Seattle while we were living there. And then there was this possibility of the Mariners leaving, and so I rallied all my friends to vote for this measure to increase our taxes so that we could keep both teams there with a new stadium. And it passed, and then we moved to Los Angeles. Then in Los Angeles, I could not root for the Lakers. They had ruined too many of my Maverick seasons and even the Sonics for the last four years. And so I chose the Clippers. Do you know how hard it is to root for the Clippers? <laughs> they were really terrible for a long, long time. And even this year was another just giant disappointment. So, So I have my West Coast team and I have my my Texas team where I grew up, so I'm a Mavericks fan and a, and a Clippers fan, and I'm a Dodgers fan and I'm a Rangers fan, and I'm a Seattle, Seattle Seahawks fan and a Cowboys fan, but I, there's no pro teams here except for now we've got Austin FC, but after this last basketball season, the way that it ended for the Clippers and the way that the, the Mavericks kind of tanked on purpose... I have decided to be a Spurs fan. Most of my family isn't from San Antonio. I've been resisting it for 50 years of my life. But they just won the draft lottery, so why not? And they're going to start playing some games in Austin. See, if if we begin to love what the people around us love, if we begin to help create that bridge... We will be amazed at what might happen along the way. Now, it's funny. We lived on the West Coast for 17 years, and for 17 years, my aunt, who lives here in Austin, kept telling us, you really need to move to Austin. You will love Austin. We're like, we're fine in Seattle. No, you really would love Austin. I promise. No, no, we're fine here in L.A. Because I kind of feel about Dallas, where I grew up, sort of like Carlos feels about Arkansas, (laughs) to be honest with you. I was resistant to coming back to Texas. But eventually, we had this opportunity to come be a part of Gateway. And it was funny because when I was moving here, we were going to plant the Central Austin campus. So we were talking to a real estate agent. His name is Doug, a great guy, and he lives in North Austin. So we said, we want to plant the campus for Central Gateway, so we need a, a place central. So he took us to Brentwood and Allendale and Barton Hills. And we ended up buying a place in Barton Hills. Well, Barton Hills, when you live in Barton Hills, everyone will tell you, you do not live central. You are south of the river. And that river is not very wide, but man, is it hard to cross. It's just so hard to cross. And South Boston, I found, has been the perfect place for us. Twelve years now. We've lived here now longer than we've lived in uh, Los Angeles. And so I just have come to love South Austin. South Austin, you guys know, is the place where Keep Austin Weird originated. Do you know that? And it actually began as a campaign to get us to shop locally, eat locally, like to do everything locally. Now, we used to live off South Lamar. And what was interesting is that chain restaurants in South Austin don't do so well unless they started in Austin, Torchies, Kirby Lane, Pluckers, Chewy's, we love those chains, but we did not like all the chains that closed down on South Lamar. McDonald's closed down on South Lamar. Burger King closed down. Fuddruckers, any chain closed down. I'm holding out hope that In-N-Out will still make it. (laughs) That's one of my California favorites that happened to move right across the street from where we used to live. But in the end... In South Austin, when we first moved here, there was Dog Almighty, a hot dog place. And remember that place? Dog Almighty. There was also Sinner's Brunch at Joe's Coffee House. Maria's Tacos had Hippie Church. See, when I first moved here, I began to realize, oh, this isn't like an open to Jesus kind of place. This is a resistant to Christianity kind of place. Only 13% of Austin attends church. It's probably way less than that in South Austin. But as I was trying to start Central Campus and serving and helping at South, I came to love this community. It's amazing that we exist in what's called the church planter's graveyard. Do you know how many churches have tried to start in South Austin and never make it? And yet we're part of a vibrant community that actually has momentum post-COVID. In a nation where a lot of churches are still struggling after that break in 2020. But in South Austin, you've helped create a place where people are finding faith, growing in their faith, discovering their calling, experiencing community. You're helping create something beautiful, something that's helped my children, who are now young adults, discover their faith for their own, to have friends that are walking with them, helping them grow. One of my favorite favorite things about South Austin, when I first moved here, I saw a bumper sticker on my street that says, we're all here because we're not all there. (laughs) South Austin, (laughs) right? And I, I think there's something so wonderful about being in a place where people are honest with where they're at. In South Austin and Dripping Springs and Buta, Hayes County, there are lots of people who wish they had what you and I have found in community. Do you know how many people in this fast growing city are lonely? Do you know how many people wish they could find meaning to their life? Do you know how many people are wanting some sort of truth to hold on to? And so I want to give you one very quick takeaway from today's message. I want to invite you into something we're doing as leaders at Gateway. We want to invite you into what we're calling the BLESS Challenge and this is simply reading through the gospel of acts we have some devotionals that are up on our youtube channel so you'll read from the book of acts and let's just see and explore what was the early church doing what can we learn from them what can we experience and then make sure you go to our youtube channel just gateway church austin it's gateway church austin YouTube.com slash GatewayChurchAustin, and you can watch one of the devotionals that one of us has done. And then you just look for ways to bless your family, neighbors, coworkers, and friends. So let me walk you through. If you have never seen us talk about bless, bless is code for helping people discover faith. So when we talk about blessing people, we're, we're really trying to help people move from superficial conversations to spiritual conversations. And it can be really challenging and really difficult. But you might be aware of this. We're not trying to convert anyone. We're just trying to find people who are spiritually searching. And by the way, they're all around us. And so here's how you bless someone. First, you begin by praying for them. And it might even be someone from work, someone in your neighborhood. And you just start with asking them, hey, is there anything I can be praying for you? And that might, they're in that Moment, open up a spiritual conversation, or at the very least, it might give you insight onto what they're dealing with, what they're struggling with. They might say, no, thank you, and that's okay, but you can still pray for them. And then the second is, listen to them. Be more intentional about finding out about their life, discovering more about their highs and lows. Be a genuine friend to those you work with, those in your neighborhood, and then engage with them could be sharing a meal with them, inviting them over, going out for coffee, just being part of their life. I was a part of a, a small group in Los Angeles, and a girl in our group said, I'm not going to be able to be at group next week because I'm in a play. And she just kind of said it quickly, kind of in passing to my wife, and, and we said, okay, that's great. You know, we'll, we'll miss you and see you in a couple weeks. And afterwards, my wife was like, I think we should go to her play. And so, you know, my wife is always more aware of people and their needs, and it was such a great idea. So I messaged all the others, hey, why don't we not have group, and let's just all go to the play. We ended up meeting this woman's family and her friends, and all of them said, man, the people from your church are really kind and nice. Like, that was exactly where that group should have been that night, with her. If someone invites you from your work or from your neighborhood to do something with them. As long as it's not illegal, do it. <laughs> Look for opportunities to engage with them, and then serve them. Man, one of the things that was really fascinating, we we moved in to our house in Shady Hollow in November of 2020. Yeah, November 2020. And we were there just a few months, just still getting to know each other when All Hades broke loose when Austin froze over, (laughs) remember? And suddenly we were invited into people's homes for the boiled water they made with their camping gear. We were actually invited over into someone's backyard just to get water from their pool so we could flush our toilets. And this went on for days. We got to know our neighbors really well, more than we ever would have wanted to in those five days. But I tell you, that's not the norm. I had these neighbors the other day during the most recent freeze. You know, tree limbs are all down in my yard. And I, I called my wife after we had a small group right after the service. And, and I said, hey, how about I go ta- we go see that movie we wanted to see Friday we couldn't make. She said, great. And I get home. And as I'm pulling in, all my neighbors, like eight of my neighbors are in my yard pulling out the dead limbs, putting them onto a truck. And I thought, well, we could still go to the movie. That would be <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just wave at them. Hey, thanks for cleaning up our yard as we go. Yeah. Then I thought, you know what, Let's, we'll have to see this movie later. You know? And I get out, and, and my neighbors have just come around. And it started by helping two of the women who are widows clean out their yard and turned into cleaning out our entire cul-de-sac. See, I want to be a neighbor like that, that initiates ways to serve people. And then finally, share your story. As you hear their story, and maybe they share about some of the ups and downs of life, maybe you get to hear where they're at spiritually, asking, would you mind if I share my story? And as you share your story of finding faith, maybe finding gateway, or whatever the best way for you to point them towards what you've experienced, if you are following Jesus, if you are enjoying community, if you are seeing and experiencing growth in your life and in your kids, if you have children, then pointing them towards what you've experienced, ultimately in finding a relationship with God and his name is Jesus. And if you're here in the room and that's not yet describing you, I want to invite you in a little bit deeper. This next week, we're starting a a series called Best summer ever. I'll kick it off. And we're really looking at how to experience the best version of life by being in community. And so I, I'm excited about this series, excited for every single week, as you'll be hearing from each of many of our leaders over the next several weeks. But I believe God wants to do something significant in your life, in your heart, and in this season. And if you're already in a good place, then God is calling you something even greater. If you're not in a good place, let us help you by jumping in a little bit deeper. So take the blessed challenge. Do that with us. And you'll be amazed at what God will do in and through you. The band is going to come on, lead us in a, a new song. And I want to encourage you, as they do, just to sing it out, even if you don't know it, even as you get to know it. Because it. Is a declaration, a prayer that God would build his church. And I loved what Carlos said. We're trying to build a bridge from the people in our city to him. Because not everyone's going to stay in South Austin. And, And all of us in this room, we may be here for just such a time as this. But let's take advantage of the season that we have. There are neighbors, there are coworkers, family members, friends that are longing for what we've found in community and in faith. So as they come, let me pray for us. God, I just pray that each one in this room would just experience the fullness of life that you offer us. The peace and the joy, the unconditional love that we can find in a relationship with you. And God, would you just bring into our community any in the room that don't experience that loving community that we all long for and need. God, give each person the courage that needs to take that step to do so. Just join one of our groups. Start serving on Sunday. And God, I just pray that this campus, all of Gateway, every campus, would be known for our kindness and generosity as we seek to serve the city seek to love our neighbors would you do in us more than we could ever ask or imagine as we spend time in the scriptures and look for ways to apply what we're doing we pray this in jesus name i want to invite you to stand up i'm going to put on the screen my email address if you want to be part of a once-a-month online group called Random Acts of Kindness. Just let me know, and I'll connect you with what we're going to do. But we're reading through Acts together. We're looking for ways to serve our city together. But as you're standing, let's sing this song out as our prayer today.